podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. You're listening to a weekly podcast made by Miami Dolphin fans for Miami Dolphin fans. Your source for entertaining Dolphin news, insight, and general conversation. Here's your host, Michael Fink. Hey everyone, this is Mike. Uh, the Fin Fans Podcast is part of the DolphinsTalk.com podcast network. It's Tuesday, and I'm here with Louis Ragoni. Hi, Dolphins. We're going to talk a little bit about the passing of uh, Coach Shula. And uh, obviously, it's a sad day. Uh, you know, this obviously happened yesterday, and uh, it was tough. You, you hate hearing it. You know, we saw him back in December, you know, at, at the stadium, and, and we kind of thought his health was failing a little bit. But uh, you're never ready for something like this. You know, he, he's just a guy who was larger than life in my opinion and i'm sure yours too lewis mm-hmm. absolutely so you know you're just never ready for it and uh you know i shed a few tears over the past day i'm not gonna lie to you i'm an emotional guy and uh you know i had to wipe the tears a few times you know it, it's just sad and um you know he lived a great life and and he lived an accomplished life and he he was definitely an idol of mine he was definitely somebody i looked up to you know throughout my younger years started watching him when I was 11 years old and got to enjoy his presence until I was 35. So, you know, he was a big part of my youth and uh, I couldn't thank him enough for the joy that he gave me over the course of those years. How are you feeling, Lou? Sad. Uh, very sad. I mean, you know, when you when you think about what he brought to this organization and, um, you know, just the fact that he's not here anymore. I mean, he he was a hero to me, you know. I mean, he's a guy that you could look up to in every aspect, whether it be, you know, as a football coach, as an individual in life. Uh, like you said, he was bigger than life. Um, he's, in my opinion, by far the greatest coach that's ever coached the game of football. Um, he did it with so much integrity and he did it the right way. And um, anytime he was on that sideline, you always felt, you know, the fact that when you looked over on that sideline and you had them there leading your football team, you always felt like you had an opportunity to win that football game. Always. It didn't matter what the obstacle was or the team you were playing on the opposite side. You know, you always felt that you were going to have a winning chance to win the football game. And you always knew the team would be prepared on top of that. You know, they didn't play a lot of bad football, Mike, under him. No, uh, no. They know. had their moments of disappointment, but by and large, you know, he won two out of every three games. Right. And, um, you know, it, it, it saddens you because when you see your heroes pass, you know, it breaks your heart. You know, I mean, that's, you know, we all got emotional about it yesterday, I'm sure. I mean, yeah, I don't know how you couldn't as a Dolphin fan. I know the players are, you know, just devastated by it. I mean, you know, you expect it. You know, he was 90 years old. So, you know, at some point we knew we, we were going to lose him. But, um, you know, it doesn't it doesn't help. You know, just it, that doesn't really help. You know, you no, can't, it doesn't. You know, it's, you know, regardless of the fact, you know, you were hoping you'd see him again at some point on the sideline like they've done, you know, in recent years, you know, somehow some kind of way. And, uh, you know, it always puts a smile on people's faces and, um, you know, it, it hurts. It really does. The fact that I've met him, you know, on so many different occasions and, you know, I got, I've gotten autographs, you know, from him on just about every possible thing you can imagine. We both have. 
We right, exactly. We both have any always so personable and always so giving. And you know, Mike, I, I was I was seeing him at times where he had already established himself as you know, as as the best coach. And he had already won the Super Bowls in the early 70s. And, you know, the fact that he was the way he was, you know, all through his his life, you know, always so giving and always so personable, says a lot about the individual. You know, he never, ever turned turned you down as far as when you asked him for an autograph or, you know, when you wanted to just say a few words to him. I mean, that this is the type of person he was. And, you know, for somebody to stay... You know that not not so much humble, but to say to stay the way he was, he just never changed as an individual, even with all those great accomplishments. Um, and th- that says a lot about an individual. And that's what I'm going to remember most about him. I mean, I'm glad that I have all those memories in my mind, and you know those things that I can share with people, and I, and I have that um, because it, you know it it does help in dealing with it. Well, you know, you and I have shared some of his greatest moments together. Uh, right. You know, the 85 Bear game we were at together, and mm-hmm. uh, we were at Marino's first game together. You know, we had, we had a lot of moments that, that we enjoyed together. The championship game against the Jets, I remember that day. Championship like, game yeah. against the Steelers. Oh, yeah, yeah. There, was, there was a ton of them, you know. Um, uh, you know, Mike, y- you look at him, and, you know, let's, let's just talk about his, uh, his football for a little while and what he did and, and, and how he did it. You know, he just, just when, when he first came over to us, I mean, you think about this for a minute. He goes from one of the best football organizations in the league at the time, the Baltimore right. Colts, and he decides not to go to a team that is well-established. He comes to a team that was a major failure. They, they had no attendance here. The team was one of the worst in the league, and he takes on that. They were three ten and one when he got here. Exactly. Now, how many coaches do that? I mean, look at look at situations, and and I'm telling you from now. I mean, you know, I don't know what the circumstances were going back that far, but I can guarantee you that there were better jobs out there for him to take on, and I'm sure that he was he was wanted by other teams. Well, at he, that yeah, point. he wasn't necessarily looking to leave, but uh, Carol Rosenblum had some. Uh, ill feelings towards him because of the loss to the Jets. Right, exactly. And, and he felt him getting colder towards him, and he just wasn't comfortable. Mm-hmm. So when he was approached by uh, the Dolphins, and it wasn't really the Dolphins that approached him, it was actually a newspaper reporter for the Herald. Right. He became interested, and uh, you know the rest is history. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I mean, things did fall into place, but at the same token, it's a decision on his part to part with one of the best organizations in football and go Absolutely, to it, one yeah. of the worst and take on that challenge. And what does he do? He turns us around completely. So, you know, that's his first major accomplishment. He wins two Super Bowls with those early teams after taking over one of the worst teams in the NFL. And think about this for a second, Lewis. Now, in doing so, he had the most successful rushing team ever, you know, uh, so he he won a certain way and and he did it better than anybody else had done it before. Exactly. Uh, having two backs, you know, rush for a thousand yards. Right. And a third back that was productive as well. He had yeah. over 700 total yards that same year. So, you know, he did it in a way that uh, a lot of teams 
<laughs> didn't I mean they couldn't even compare to our running game. I mean they were so efficient in every possible way and that is basically all him. You know, he puts together the discipline. He puts together a bunch of cast off players. Two of them two of them are in the Hall of Fame. A third one should be. Yeah, the way they constructed that offensive line is, you know, a legend in itself. It's it's amazing. You know, and the fact that he recognized these players and the fact that they went on and to accomplish what they did is, you know, is another you know, it is another notch on his belt, on Shula's belt, the defense that he put together, the players, and, you know, the fact that they didn't have, you know, the Joe Greens of the world, you know, and those type of players. They you know, had... Lewis, Larry Little uh, tells a quick story that that kind of is appropriate here with what we're talking about. And uh, he, you know, arrived in town and he went up to Coach Shula first time he's meeting him. And he says, hi, I'm Larry Little. I'm your right guard. And Shula looks at him and says, what do you weigh? And Little says, 285. And Shula just mumbled to himself, turned around and walked away. (laughs) The next thing Larry Little knows is he gets a note saying he's got to lose 20 pounds. (laughs) And he credits Shula for that because once he lost that 20 pounds, he felt it made him a much better player. Right. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) the stories are, are never ending with each individual player and and how he interacted with them and how he motivated them into into what they became Kuchenberg I mean all of them have told stories over the years that that credit him and that that is that is probably you know I mean the greatest greatest compliment you can give an individual is when people talk about how he made them better people and a better football player on top of that yes that's again the greatest compliment you can ever give an individual, and that's that's all you hear over and over again with these players. But you know, getting back to what I was saying in regard to what he did, you know, he he turned this organization around from Jump Street. He then lost a bunch of football players to the World Football League and to injury and just old age, and he created the Killer Bees. He he put that defense out and with help from Arnsberger. Would help from Arnsbarger, without a doubt. Arnsbarger was fantastic. But again, you know, you got to give Shula credit because oh, he's, out, he's out there and he create. he now puts another fantastic team together that again goes to the Super Bowls with David Woodley, mind you, a quarterback. Um, once the killer bees start getting old and we lose guys to injuries, he then puts another play- playoff group together with guys like Brian Cox and John Offerdahl and and Lewis Oliver. So again, you know, for the third time in the history of his coaching with the Miami Dolphins, he puts playoff teams together and rebuilds the team tw- three times over. And how many coaches can honestly say that they have done that? There's not a lot. I mean, well, Tom. There, there was a fourth ahead. time. <laughs> there was a fourth time. Go ahead. Right. Dan Marino. Well, Marino, right, exactly, with the Marino teams, without a question of a doubt. I mentioned mentioned before how, you know, they had the most successful rushing attack to that date, Mm -hmm. and then you turn around and look what he did with Marino, and they had the most prolific passing attack to that date. Exactly. You're right. You know, so I skipped over Marino because it was an obvious one, and you're absolutely right. It should have been mentioned because he adapted once again. He went from a running 
team, which they had with Woodley right. and Andre Franklin and those type of guys, Woody Bennett, Tony Nathan. They ran the ball quite a bit. They had a bunch of guys come in and out to a, to basically a team that just threw the ball all over the place. And, you know, again, it shows you the type of individual he was. He sat there. He looked at what he had. He worked with what he had. And he made them winners regardless. And you're right. It was four times over that he, you know, he reinvented the Miami Dolphin football team. You know, it, it's testament to the type of type of coach he was and the great individual he was and the fact that he dealt with so many different personalities in so many different ways. You know, he did it his way, but yet, you know, as he got older, Mike, you know, when we watched those playoff losses to Buffalo, you know, the guy just, it you could see it just broke his heart. You know, he just lived the game. I mean, it, it was absolutely, it hurt you to watch him during those sure. press conferences because you saw the d- disappointment on his face and the fact that, you know, he just couldn't get the job done. Now, here's a guy that at that point was 30 years into his career. And, the, you know, you would think at that point you'd become immune to these type of things. But you could see the hurt all over his face. You know, that last playoff loss, Mike, um, up in Buffalo, you know, yeah. you could just see the pain. You know, he he just, you know, he he just, you know, the absolute hurt involved. Well, what what bothered me, Lewis, was the fans yelling that the game had passed him by and all that other nonsense. When do we acknowledge and just say Buffalo was a better team? Exactly, and they were. You yes. know, that they, they were. You're in. I mean, that that team was in four straight Super Bowls. We couldn't get past them. But that didn't take anything away from what he did. I mean, he listen. We we competed over and over again. Years where we had no business compete, even in years where we had no business competing. And you know that that goes a lot in in where you're at with this. You know, with the way he coached the game of football. The fact that we were the least penalized team in the league year in year out it tells you what he was. He was a disciplinary. He was a guy that demanded you to do it the right way. And if you're not going to do it the right way, you're not going to play for me. No, I mean, we I'll saw find somebody else who would. Right. We saw guys get dealt out of here, traded away, guys like Leroy Harris and people like that. that Sammy just, Smith. Yeah. All right. Sammy Smith. They just couldn't hold on to the football. I mean, year in and year out, you saw guys getting cut. And, you know, the bottom line is this is that he was consistently good and he put a phenomenal. Uh, football team on the field year in and year out. Even when there was talent lacking, he was still able to put us in a situation where we could compete. Lewis, all you got to say is in 33 years of coaching, he had two losing seasons. That's incredible. It is. It absolutely is. Absolutely is. I mean, and, um, you know, again, you know, when, when you looked at him on the sideline and and you saw the intensity involved, I mean, you just, how could you not love that? I mean, you compare, you know, Mike, you hear the com- comparisons to Belichick all the time. And, you know, Belichick's got a lot of Super Bowls under his, under his, um, for his career, he's got a ton of Super Bowls, some of them very fortunate. You know, he could have had a couple more losses under his belt. He should Super have. Bowls. He should have really had uh, some losses under his belt. Uh, bad coaching on the opposite sideline. Right. But you can't take anything away from him. No, he won. But with that being said, 
you look at Belichick and how he handles the press and how he, you know, even after losses, you might as well forget it. I mean, you're getting one word answers and he's walking off the stage. Shula never did that. On to Cincinnati. Um, <laughs> on to Cincinnati, right. You know, he, he didn't, Shula sat there, he took the punches and he did it later in his career. He had to do it over and over again. I mean, this is a guy that, you know, in my opinion, was treated a little unfairly by the press and whatnot later in his career, as you mentioned a little bit earlier, because they just didn't have enough talent to get past certain teams. Mostly, you know, most of the time it was the Buffalo Bills, but that didn't take anything away with what he was doing as a coach. He was still putting them in that position in the playoffs year in and year I out. Mean, you can go back to, to 84, even that uh, 49ers team was stacked. They they were stacked and, and you know, they... they they implemented something that basically shut us down. And, you know, our, listen, our, our defense wasn't very good at that point. And, no. um, you know, they got there. Oh, we had Jay Brophy playing, and it was that was just a nightmare. But, you know, the point is, sometimes you just get beat by a better team. You can be a great coach and lose. It's, it's not unheard of. <laughs> Mike, look at the Redskin team. Okay, I mean, you think about that football game and you think about the guys that they had across the board on both offense and defense. I mean, they Mm -hmm. had the Hogs. They had John Riggins. They had three great receivers. They had Joe Theismann. Their defense, the defense was loaded. Daryl Green, they had guys all over the place that could play some serious football. We went in there with David Woodley, a quarterback, Jimmy Cephalo. At, right. at starting wide receiver. Nat Moore, who was up there in age at that point, as our other receiver. This is the team that we had, and damn near beat them. Damn near beat them in that game. I mean, yeah. a couple of plays. If Bo Camper holds on to that it. football. We were an interception away. We were an <laughs> interception away from beating a much more talented football team. Now, how do you, how do you explain that? Well, you explain it through coaching. And you explain it through having these guys believe in what what they were and making making them play up to a level to where they're playing against better competition and damn near beating them. You know, to some degree, I think he was a victim of his own success, you know, because he was so good getting his teams to excel when they ran up against better competition. They just couldn't always get it done. Right. Absolutely. You know, and that's that's in the cards. You know, you you're, you can't. There's no magic involved. You know, eventually it's going to catch up to you. But his teams are always competitive, and they were always on the verge of being, you know, in the Super Bowl or or advancing in the playoffs. Exactly. It, it was, you know, it was a great time. It was a great time to be a Dolphin fan. Mike, you look. Let, let, let's just go back to the Viking Super Bowl. Uh-huh. Okay. And uh, I'm, I recently watched that season, you know, the season highlights and whatnot. Right. And I'm looking at this Minnesota team that we were going up against in that Purple Super Bowl. Purple people eaters. Purple people. I mean, you got Alan Page and Carl Eller, two Hall of Famers. Yep. Paul Krause, a Hall of Famer. You had uh, guys all over the place. I mean, Jim Marshall. And then on the offensive side, you had Tarkenton. And just over and over again, you had players. And I'm looking at this defense that we were going up against, and we absolutely dominated them in that Super Bowl. And that was a really, really good football team. Yeah, they we, dominated. We, we stole their lunch money on that day. <laughs> we annihilated them. Just we beat killed them up. Beat them we up. just beat them up. The game was 
the game wasn't even close. And, uh, you know, the Redskin game, the same thing. You know, that Super Bowl win. I mean, that game really should have been 17 nothing. I mean, it was a little bit closer. Well, you know, you, the- you look at it and, and you put those two Super Bowls back to back in seasons they were 32-2. and two, Right. And that defense gave up one touchdown in two Super Bowls. Right. Yep, exactly. Incredible. And how many of those guys are in the Hall of Fame, Mike? One. One. Exactly. So what does that tell you? It's a shame, really. It it is. They're well, very it, o- they're it, very overlooked. It, it they are overlooked to an extent, Mike, but the fact is is that when you look at them collectively, they played disciplined football. No and question. That, that, team, team defense. And that's all a reflection of Shula. Same yes. thing on the offensive side. I mean, we have a lot more Hall of Famers on the offensive side of the football, but they did not make mistakes. There were no holding penalties. There were no offside. There were no illegal procedures. None of these. None of it. None of it. They went out and they marched, were gonna- marched 80 yards to start the game. <laughs> right. Exactly. And they just beat you down right off the bat. And yep. and again, you know, th- this this is all a reflection of your head coach. And from there, it all goes down to, to the coaches underneath him and the players underneath them. And just just he just demanded the fact that you were going to do what was necessary to win a football game. Yeah, you, know, you, you had to love that. And um you know, you kind of miss it nowadays. You know, when you look, <laughs> or you meet most recent <laughs> years, Mike, when you look, yeah, when you look over on the sideline and you see Joe Philbin and guys like this who look like they're, you know, absolutely clueless and stuff. And Cam Cameron was another guy, you know, yeah, I mean, what has this come to, you know? <laughs> you, you just look at it and, and ha- you know, you can't feel the same way. You just don't. Well, you know, when, when Shula left, I mean, we were – if not the winningest team in all of sports, we were second or third. Right. And again, Mike, let's let's compare them. You know, we, we got off of that a little bit. So we'll compare them to some of the other great coaches in the league. You know, when Chuck Chuck Nall lost Bradshaw and started losing his players, he was he, he was he, he didn't win again, Mike. He didn't. Yeah. The, you know, the team started going downhill. And he wasn't able to win. Look at the Cowboys with Tom Landry once Staubach left. Slowly but surely, they started to slip downhill, and they just weren't a very good football team. Now, Shula did it, like we mentioned earlier, four times over. These guys couldn't do it a second time. And these are some of the greatest coaches. They are Hall of Fame coaches that were not, and for whatever reason, they weren't capable of building winning football teams again. John Madden's another guy. Right. This guy did it four times. Well, Madden retired kind of early, Mike. He got out of the football game, so I I wouldn't necessarily put him in that group, but the other guys stood around for a while, and they wound up, you know, they wound up going out as as losers, so to speak, to an extent. I'd never call them losers, but they weren't. They they weren't productive at the end. Let let's use that word. They couldn't replicate that prior success. Right. And and then compare it compare them to Shula, and the fact that he recreated the team four times over. It just you know it, it, there there was nobody better. Well, you now, know, Lewis after uh, Vermeil retired because of burnout. Uh, right. Somebody one of the reporters had asked Coach Shula about you know coaching burnout, and he said, "What's that?" 
<laughs> right. And you know what? Vermeil is a very good, um, you know, I mean, you can compare him to some extent uh-huh. to what Shula did because he did he did uh, get some nice winning teams with a few different franchises, the Eagles, the Rams. And then, you know, I think he, he went was, over. He was a great guy. Great coach. He, he, was a, he was a great coach as well. But, I mean... You know the fact that he's the winningest coach ever, and and how many how many wins is Belichick still behind him? Forty something. Right, he's still forty something yeah. behind him, and I don't care whether he passes him or not. I don't think there's any comparison. You know, character alone, Mike. Um, you know, and the way me. <laughs> the way he, the way he handles the, the the press and the way he handles individuals. And uh, just the way he conducts himself, Shula, even in losses, was, you know, just a champion. Look, and- you know, we, we talk about that that playbook that, that uh, was found and, and given to Shula. And he said, no, throw that in the garbage. And he wouldn't look at it. And right. he did. He threw it in the garbage. Uh, I believe that if Belichick had found that same playbook, he'd have been photocopying it. Yeah, I, I truly believe that. Because I mean- they just have different morals, you know. And uh, Shula always did things the right way. Right. There's that's, always that's part of his legacy. Exactly. And you know, it <laughs> you can't say enough about the guy. You know, anytime you looked over on that sideline and you saw him standing there, you, you just felt so good about your football team. You just, you know, you just knew that they were going to uh, give you give you a lot of enjoyment, you know, over the next 3 hours watching the team play. And um you know, it, can't say enough about him. I mean, you know, we can give go Give me on Shula, on. give me Monday night, and give me the Orange Bowl, and I'm set. Yes, absolutely. I'm a happy camper. <laughs> yep. The, the, he was such a, you know, it, the players talk about him in so many different lights. You know, they, they go from one extreme to the other. You know, they hate him. You know, I mean, I, I'll give you a little story. A buddy, a buddy of mine is really good friends with Duper, and Duper did not know as of yesterday that Chula had passed and he broke the news to him. And over the years, you know, Duper is, ah, I hate that damn guy. You know, he drove me crazy, this and that. And all. He, he said some things that, you know, that you wouldn't expect to some extent, but he did. And he basically told my buddy that he said, listen, he goes, I, I can't talk. And he just hung up the phone on him and he couldn't, he couldn't deal with it. And this is the kind of, uh, What's the right word to, to say here, Mike? Um, well, I mean, you know, I, I said it before, you know, peop, uh, the players love to hate him. And then, you know, they realized uh, that they, you know, loved him. You know, it's just the way it is. It's just the way it's a love-hate relationship. Yeah, you yeah. know, you hated the fact that he was so hard on you. But when you look back on it and you reflect on what he did for you as an individual – uh, you know, you've got to sit there and say, my God, I mean, this guy really did get the most out of me, and I understand what he was trying well, that's, to that's do. That's exactly what they say, almost to a man. They say, right. you know, he got us to play better than we ever thought possible, and it was because he was so demanding. Exactly. He did it, and you know what? He did it the right way, Mike. You know, he did it in a way that, um, you know, he motivated guys in a way that you're supposed to do it. You know, you 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 do it during discipline, and you you show them what you do. You put all these hours in. You right. show them by example. Work. At, I mean, I remember going down to St. Thomas, Mike, yep. and seeing him doing laps yep. around the field. Yeah. Even even as an older man. Yeah. You know, he was out there running. 
running I've the got, field. I've got, I've got pictures I took of that very thing. <laughs> do you really? Yes, I, mean, I do. You know, I mean, th- this is what he did. He didn't expect anything. He was running gassers with the quarterbacks with uh, Woodley and Greasy. Right there, you go. And and how many years into his career was he at that point? Well, that was probably 1980, if I'm not mistaken. Right. So you know, <laughs> I uh, mean. You know, he was just a great person. I mean, he was a great football coach, but he was a great person. And he just did everything the right way. And if anybody tells you any differently, then they're crazy. You know, it's that simple. I mean, listen, the game of football is violent. It's rough. I mean, you know, we have a story, Mike, me and you sat down with Lyle Blackwood when we had them all in for for an autograph signing. And, um, you know, Lyle sat there at dinner and told us that the last time he spoke to Shula, he, 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 cur- he cursed at him and called him every name in the book because he had, Blackwood had broke his collarbone and they weren't aware of the fact that he did it at the time. But Blackwood had been with the Dolphins five seasons and, you know, he was a 13 year veteran. I mean, people don't realize that when the Dolphins picked up Lyle, he was eight years, nine years into his career already. So, Shula just went crazy on him because he said he couldn't go in the second half of the football game. That was the very last time he had spoken to Shula. And he, you know, Blackwood was pissed off at him and held it against him. But, you know, he understood at the same time that this is the way the guy, this is the way the guy dealt with things. You know, he felt that if you look at it, you know, he felt that he was so important to the football team. And that's the best compliment you can give a football player that I need you out there. I don't have somebody that can do what you do. But at the same token, you know, he's just humiliating the guy at the same time. But this is the kind of fire that this guy had. And, you know, he he wanted to win. He wanted to win the right way. And he expected the same out of his players, as he would have done. I mean, the story about Kuchenberg with the, you know, putting the rod in his arm to play through those playoff games. I mean, these are the type of guys and these are the type of things that Shula saw and he loved in guys. And that's why And that's that's a guy that I believe should be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Yeah, he he should be the next one. I mean, it's sad, Mike, because he's gone and he'll never, you know... He'll never know. He'll never know. But... um, you're absolutely right. You know, the fact that, uh, you know, he did what he did and, and he, you know, he gave his his heart and soul to the team. I mean, they, I mean, they have to hollow out your bone marrow. That That is painful. <laughs> brutal. Just to get back yeah. on the football field. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, he had he had issues with his eyesight. I don't want to get off Shula too far. Right. But, right. But, you know, later on he had the issues with his eyesight and everything, and he was still out there playing football and giving it all. And, you know, he was the Oh, bridge. he didn't have to see far to be an offensive lineman or so he said. Right. Exactly. And he was a bridge. Yep. You know, yep. he was a bridge. He was he was there for the for the Super Bowl days with Greasy and Zonka and those guys, and he was there with Marino and that crew. I mean, yep. which, you know, I mean, he does deserve to be in the, the Hall of Fame, and hopefully he will get there. But – um I can't say enough about the coach. I mean, I you know, I've said neither that one of us can. Times. I mean, look, he made Sundays fun. I mean, he made Sundays fun. He made them fun because we knew going into Sunday we needed to get down to the stadium because there was a good chance we were going to win. And it yeah, and it was, and you wanted to be there. You know, you wanted to be part of that. And yep. and when he left, you know, they replaced him with Jimmy Johnson, who was a very big name here in Miami because of his UM days, and that was probably. One of the only guys that fans would have accepted at that point. If no, you think, a lot of fans you, wanted. Right. I mean, if you think about it, who else could have possibly replaced him 
down here without any major, major noise. Backlash, right. You know, I mean, I don't think you could have replaced him with anybody better. Now, you know, he in turn put a pretty decent product on the field, but, you know, it was... Half a product. It was half a product. It was a very solid defense and no offense. But but the point is, is that... And he humiliated Marino in the process, which never made me happy. No, it didn't. And uh, but again, without getting off the subject too far, he was never able to do anything close to what Shula did. Well, you know, you look at him, you look at uh, Saban, and uh, you look at uh, Bill Parcells. Right. I mean, basically three legends in their own right. Right. And none of them could walk in Shula's footsteps. Agreed. I mean, Mike, Parcells attempted to do things with a few different organizations after he left the Giants. And couldn't do it. I mean, he did get to a Super Bowl with New England that one year, but right. um and and believe me, I love Bill Parcells. And I'll tell you what, I'd put him right up there um in the you know, right behind Shula and some of the other greats. I mean, I th- I thought he was I mean, I'm glad you mentioned him because I I kind of forgot about Parcells, but he's up there because he did it his way. And he was right. it to me, he seemed like the same type of guy that Shula was. He was a hard ass and he expected and demanded excellence out of his football players. And anything short of that, you weren't going to play for him. It's that simple. Yeah, they were similar in a lot of ways. Yep, they were. Absolutely. The way they manipulated players, and I use that word loosely, but the way they manipulated players to do what they wanted them to do is a similarity. Right, exactly. Um, you know, it's, it's going to be sad uh, going forward. You know, again, you know, I, like I said at the beginning, you know, I lost one of my heroes yesterday. And, um, you know, it's hard. Well, I, I think all, all the Dolphin fans that are, you know, born before probably 1980 feel the same way. Mm-hmm. You know? You know, on, uh, the, you know, on the positive side, you know, he, he, he outlived a lot of the guys that played under him. At 90 years, you know, he was, he was around for 90 years. We got 90 years out of him. And... Um, he lived in that sounds that sounds kind of callous <laughs> yeah i mean you know hey listen I, i'm trying to word it properly without getting uh-huh. too emotional here or without you saying the wrong thing and i am saying the wrong thing but here's the thing you know the guy lived a, a long life and and yes. a very happy life i a mean even, even over the last few years when he was on the field at the football games he always seemed so happy you know he yes. loved being around people and he, he, you know, he just loved the fact that you were asking him for an autograph. He loved the fact that he loved the fact that people wanted to be around them, and that's what I got from him. You know, the fact that he just enjoyed your company, and he enjoyed the fact that you know you you you, you thought of him in a way that you wanted an autograph from him. That's what you love, you know. I mean, this guy could have been you know the biggest creep in the world. I mean, you won two Super Bowls, and. You know, you could have been like, listen, I don't want to be bothered with people. You know, I, I'm just going to handle things my way. You see it. I see it time and time again with, with, you know, with individuals. And he never changed. He just never did. No. No, he was always, he was always a class act. You know, he, was, he was always respectful to the press and, and uh, respectful to the fans. And, you know, I mean, you know, certain players had issues with him. But that, that comes when you're driven and, and mm-hmm. you know, I think it's understandable. You know, it was a different time. It's not like today when you really can't do some of the same tactics that he did in his coaching style. Right. Uh, because, you know, they're, they're free agents now and they'll, they'll fly away from you quick. But, uh, you know, in, in that day and in that era, 
He was the perfect coach. Yes, he was. He was the perfect coach in my eyes all through his career, Mike. Yes. You know, even yes. later on when you had guys like Marino come along and um, Oh, absolutely. and some of the other players. You know, the game was changing and he changed with it. And there's not a lot of coaches that that can say that. You know, that they that they adapted to different players and different different systems, you know, different ways of winning football games. He did it over and over again. He built he built one one good defense after another, you know, and and the same with all with the offense. I mean, he he recognized players. I mean, think about this, Mike, okay? Yet Nat Moore was reinvented again when uh-huh. when Marino came on the absolutely. scene. Absolutely. And you know, he became Nat, a slot receiver. Right. Nat Moore absolutely loves Love Shula. You know, he's talked about him. You know, a lot of these guys, you know, Bob Greasy, how he talks about him. Uh, you know, it's one guy after another. Well, but, they've become friends. But, right, you think about this, though, okay? Think about the fact that here's a guy that had Paul Warfield uh, all through the 70s and not a lot more. And they didn't even think about passing the football. But he drafts guys like Duper and Clayton. In, in, in his mind frame, he's thinking, now, why are you drafting guys like this? You know, you draft Marino. You're thinking, you know what? Maybe I'm going to go in a completely different direction now and try and win football games in a different way. Because he put all those pieces in place. Well, Duper came a year before Marino. Right, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I mean, you know, so maybe he's thinking before he even gets his quarterback that, you know what? We're we're going to we're going to change this. We're going to change this yeah. a little bit. We're going to adapt. We're going to start doing some different things as a football team. And well, he, and that's he was exactly probably tired of playing the Chargers and, you know, <laughs> playing the Chargers, but Mike, think about that game. Um, you know, it, and it's great that you mentioned that because it, it, we weren't that type of team, but no. In mid-game he makes the move to go to Strzokt. Yeah. And not even in mid-game. After one quarter, I think yep. it was. He he says, you know what? Okay, we've got to change our whole philosophy on how we're going to approach this football game. And next thing you know, they're not running the football. They're not trying to keep the ball away from San Diego. All of a sudden, they're airing it out all over the place. And and they were successful in doing Strzok it. had the game of his life. But all the guys did. Joe yep. Rose had the game yep. of his life. It was it was just one guy after another stepping yep, no up. Question. Other than you, Yvonne Shaman. You know, everybody oh, yeah. else stepped <laughs> right, up. Right, <laughs> exactly. Uh, you got to mention the hook and ladder. You know, that was just oh, a, a fabulous just, call. I uh, mean, that's an amazing play call. All of them. The fact that, you know, he had Rose in the game making plays and Bruce Hardy at tight end going right down the scene. I mean, it was, it, it, he adapted right in the middle of a football game. Now, how many times? A t- playoff game with the pressure on, you know? Exactly. I mean, right. And down by what? Three touchdowns? 24 nothing. 24 nothing. Three plus three touchdowns. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, and, and, he, and he adapts in the middle of a football game. And really, sh- we should have won that game three times over. We come all the way back and should have won it. But this is th- these are the type of things that you look at a, 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 the greatest football coaches, and these are the type of things that they do. And, I mean, how many times have me and you, Mike, sat here, uh, you know, watching football games in separate areas on a Sunday and have said to ourselves, why the hell aren't we making – Adjustments, adjustments at halftime to get yep. back into this football game or to you know just change your philosophy you can't win doing what we're doing we're behind let let's change things up a little bit you know you, you just don't see it he recognized things he understood that listen we 
this is what we've got to do to win a football game, and he didn't. And he didn't care. He the didn't care thing, what circumstances. Other than the Oliver Dotty era, he had great assistance. He did. But, Mike, that's a testament to him as well. Yep. You know, he brought yep. in guys that were, were basically uh, guys that understood what he wanted to get done. They, they expected the same out of him. That's what he gave to them in turn to give to the football players. It, when it's all said and done, Mike, he's the head honcho, and he's the guy calling all the shots. Of course. Now, maybe not so much on Sunday, but all these, right. great, all these great assistants that he had. I mean, Mike, he went to a Super Bowl with some of these guys, mm-hmm. Chuck Studley and guys like that. I mean, granted, they didn't have – the players to you know that that were right. good enough to win these Super Bowls, but they got there, which yep. means they were better than the other thirty football teams, or it, maybe not so much better, but he put them in a position to where they were in a Super Bowl with a lot less talent. I mean that I, again, I mentioned. Well, that's what I said before when I said he was a victim of his own success, and that's that's how I mean that. Mm-hmm. You know that they're taking these teams that are not quite as talented as the teams they're going to be playing, but they're getting them there. Exactly. And uh, to me, that's that's incredible in itself. Absolutely. I mean, and, you know, you give, you know, we'll go back to Belichick. And was he capable of beating the Giants in those two? He had the greatest, supposedly the greatest offense in the history of the NFL. And the Giants beat him down in that yep. Super Bowl. I mean, you know, yep. they, you know, they had Randy Moss. They, they broke records that year offensively, and they didn't win the Super Bowl. So mm-hmm. there you have it. I mean, you know, uh, as great as Belichick is as a coach, there's a lot of Super Bowls that he won that he shouldn't have, and there's a couple of Super Bowls that he got beat down in. So, right. you know, you can look at things from different point right. of, points of view and look at it, well, he did win them. Yes, he did. But was it was he fortunate in some of them? Yes, he was. He got beaten a couple of others. The bottom line is Shula – the way I see those Super Bowls and the Super Bowls that he lost, they got beat by much more talented football teams. And, um, you know, and that's the bottom line. But he got them there. And he got them there on, on you know, that year with Woodley and those guys. He got them there. I, I don't even know how, Mike. I mean, yeah. they, they did it with an offense that was just not existent Woodstock, I mean, whenever Woodley would falter, and he normally did, in come, it would come Strock and try and save the day. And, and more times than not, he did. Right. They were winning it, winning those games, you know, by the skin of their teeth, yep. week in and week out. And, uh, you know, again, it, it, it falls back on him and getting a job with what they getting, were getting the job done with what you have to work with and being productive in the process. No excuses. You know, he didn't want to hear it. You know, at the end, he, you know, he took it on the chin and. And he said, you know, next year we're going to do whatever is necessary to get back here again. And like you said, you know, nine times out of ten, he did it. You know, yeah. it is what it is. It's a great loss, Lewis. Yep, it, it truly is. It truly it's a great is. Loss. So, you know, I, I hope that, you know, going forward that Flores can give us, you know, one-tenth of what Shula gave us. Yeah. That would, that would be phenomenal. It would be. There'll never be... There'll never be another individual like him. Period. I no. mean, and that's just why- like there'll never be another Marino. You know, you, they were in a class by themselves, right? I mean, and, sh- you know, you can't really compare people to them because it's not fair to. No, uh, Shula stands above and beyond everybody, character-wise, Mike. I mean, you think about it. This guy, his whole career was 
there's not one blemish on it over the course of his 90 years on this earth. I, I never hear anything in regard to him putting himself in any type of position. I mean, you look at Belichick. We, we compare him to Belichick. How many situations has that organi- organization been involved in in regard to some sort of cheating type scam, you know, or whatever the, whatever you want to call it? You know, well, I, so I look at it like this. We've had adversaries before, you know, Marv Levy, when he was in Buffalo, you know, used to clean our clocks. But you respected Levy because of the way he carried himself and the way his teams played. Yes. Uh, you know, and there were other coaches, you know, out, at, out in Oakland. They they got the better of us, you know, a few times. And obviously that was a rivalry because they usually beat us. And, and you know, it, it is what it is. But you never hated the coach. You, you know, the, you, you never hated the organization. But the Patriots, it's very difficult to respect their accomplishments and they've had great accomplishments but it's difficult to respect it because in the back of your mind you always say to yourself i wonder if they cheated to accomplish it i wonder what they've done that we don't even know about agreed i mean we everybody has that doubt in their mind when it comes to that organization and belichick's at the very top mike i've said it a million times where there's smoke there's fire and um you know, you know Shul, on the other hand, Lewis was, you know, on the rules committee and, and he was helping make the game better. He was helping uh, uh, advance the offenses to where the game would be more exciting. He, you know, he had a lot of influence on, the, on that committee. He was a co-chairman for a while. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he helped improve the game. I, mm-hmm. I don't know that we can say the same about Belichick and, and his antics. I don't know if that's improved the game any. I think, if anything, it's made people question the game. Exactly. Mike, you, you look around sports in general, okay, every sport, and you look at what Shula did, what Coach Shula did for this area, South Florida, and it's what incredible. he did for this organization. I don't know if you can compare anybody to what he did over how many years was he our coach? Well, he was here 26 years. 26 years. Now, you think about all the sports and you think about an individual. And that's not to mention all the years after he retired. Right, exactly. I mean, the point of the matter is, is that, you know, this guy spent 26 years of his life, complete dedication and you know, the fans all have to understand that and take that in. The fact that this guy dedicated 26 years of his life to a football team and to given all of us as fans all of those great moments over the years and think about where, where we've been since he's been gone. And, you know, there it, it's, you know, it's that speaks like, volumes in itself. It speaks volumes. Exactly. And that's all you have to do is just think on those terms. Now, there's a lot of fans that never had the opportunity to, to sit down and watch a football game as it was happening with him on the sideline. You know, a lot of these younger, you know, my son and a lot of these younger right. fans just never experienced that. So they, I don't know if they'll ever be able to relate to what we're they talking about. They won't about. appreciate it because they didn't live it. But yeah, exactly. But you know, people like me and you and and older Dolphin fans understand where we're coming from. You know, they understand the fact that this guy was so important to all of us. I mean, he he didn't put on a uniform and go out there and play the game, but he led our team and he he did it in in a way that nobody else has done it since or before. 
you know, he did it with so much, you know, so much what character. You can't, and so what much- you can't quantify, Lou, is the confidence that he gave each one of us. Right. Exactly. Right. Yep. You know, we were confident that we would be relevant. We never worried about the next season. We figured we'd be in the playoffs. I mean, it was that simple. Exactly. We and, expected it. We didn't right. expect any less from a right. team that he was coaching. Right. Because that was his standard of excellence. You know, that's what he expected. And we, and we knew that. Mm-hmm. So you never worried that, that, you know, we would, we would be a relevant team. And now, you know, God, you know, <laughs> nine and seven is a good season. And, and that's just, that's a shame. Right. It's not, it, it hasn't been the same since he's been gone. And, you know, we're, we're, we're looking for something, Mike, that will never be duplicated because as good as Flores is, and I, I do like him. I mean, you know, we, there's a lot that we still have to find out about where this team's going after this draft and everything. And, you know, as good as he may be going forward, Mike, it, it, there, there won't ever be anything to compare. You can't, nobody will ever duplicate what he did. There's nobody that's going to be on this team as a head coach for the next 26 years. It's never going to happen again. No, not in, to, not in today's league. It's not. It's not no. going to happen. I mean, you know, it's it's, it's too just, much pressure. There's there, it's a different it's a different era. There's just it, it, it's it's a different era, Mike. But there it's different individuals that are that are coaching the game of football now. It's not you don't and and I hate to say this, but every generation, you know, tends to um, you know bring their own type of. Uh, mentality Mentality and and ways of going about things and you know Shula's mentality and the way he approached coaching and the way he approached everyday life and the way he conducted himself as an individual you know in nowadays society I, I think it's almost an impossibility I really do feel that way because of like you mentioned all the pressure all the press you put out there every day every single thing you say is scrutinized there's a million different reasons that's the you know the media everything involved just creates a whole different circumstance and you know it'll never be duplicated and you know we we were fortunate enough as fans Mike to experience it and you know I mean that that's that's the blessing that we get from all well you know most most of Shula's career uh you know there was ESPN in the later latter part of his career but you know by and large you didn't have the national media presence unless it was the Super Bowl or or that type of atmosphere Mm -hmm. but during the regular season you didn't have that national presence that you have today and you didn't have, you know, you had a couple of beat writers just like you have now. Mm-hmm. And that was it. That was what they had to deal with. Maybe a couple of TV stations, you know, if, if the team was doing really good, then they would start jumping on board, you know. Right. Uh, it's all about ratings. And, and if the team was doing well, certainly, you know, they wanted to be there. But during the typical course of a season, you know, you didn't have to deal with what the guys have to deal with now. It's relentless. And, uh... You know, you make one slip up, you say one wrong thing, you know, you look at one guy the wrong way and it's all over the news, you know. It's 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 a little different situation. I'm sure, you know, things happened back then that we'll never know about. And today it's a different story. Everything is magnified. Exactly. Yeah, you could I mean, obviously as a head coach you could get away with a lot a lot more because, you know, the players just didn't have the ability to do what they do now in regard right, jump to- on Twitter 10 minutes later. Exactly. <laughs> Which we've seen happen over and over again over the last, uh, 
you know, so many years. I mean, I, I, I can tell you this much, Mike, and, you know, I, I don't want to down Flores in any way, shape, or form, but if Fitzpatrick, Mika had done what he did to Shula, uh, there wouldn't have been any talk whatsoever in regard to trying to keep him on this football team. I'm sure he would have been shipped out the very next day. And that this goes back to exactly what you were just saying, that you have to deal with these guys in a different way. Um yes. And I don't know if it's a, a better situation uh, the way it is now. I, as a matter of fact, I know it's not. I, you it's know, not. We're old it's school, not. We're old yeah. school people. You just, you know, put your tail between your legs, you know, be thankful you're in the NFL and, you know, you go about your business and you well, do. Well, that's just it, Lewis. Guys were afraid of being cut on Tuesday. Now with all the guaranteed money and the salary caps and all the finances involved, you can't cut players like you used to be able to do because you'll take such a cap hit, it'll hurt you. But, you know, Mike, I think it comes down to respect as well. And, yes. And this is the thing that bothered me about that whole, you know, Fitzpatrick situation is that respect your coach. And I know it's difficult because he's, you know, he's first year coach. He's trying to implement a whole new system. He's trying to do things in a different way. And you've got to earn that respect. But this guy was ready to jump ship right off the bat. And this this was my problem with him. And that's why I'm glad he's gone, because it showed you his character. And yeah. Sh- Shula would have recognized that right away. And I don't think he would have dealt with it regardless of whether it be now or then. I think he would have had a one-way ticket out of here in no time. And it wouldn't have even been... Uh, you know, discussed in any way, shape, or form. And I felt that, you know, Flores probably should have handled him the same way without even giving him the benefit of the doubt. I mean, that, that's the way I feel. But you know what? It, again, we're, we're kind of getting off track here. We're trying, you know, but my point is, is that, you know, Shula would have handled and, and did handle things in a different way. He expected everything that he was giving from you. He wanted the same exact dedication and he wanted you to understand what they were trying to do. You know, again, he wanted team players, Lewis. <laughs> right. He wanted guys that right were willing were willing to go along with this team concept. And I see a lot of those qualities in Flores going forward. And and hopefully that that uh, translates over to, you know, the football, the, the guys that are playing for him. And I, we're kind of seeing it to some extent. I think we point. are. I think we are. We're, we're seeing the roots being laid. Now, whether or not the tree grows, we'll see. Exactly. We will see. We shall see. Let's just hope that they play the type of football they played last year. And, um, you know, we see it building, much like, you know, Coach Shula did in his early days. You know, you saw them getting better year in and year out. And even though they may not have the talent that they need, they're going to be competitive. And you look on that sideline at Flores and you feel the same way that like, you know what? This team's going to be prepared and they're going to go out there and they're going to play a very solid And they're going to be disciplined. And they're going to be disciplined. Exactly. So, you know, that's what you hope Flores will bring to the table. And, you know, I didn't want to down him. I mean, earlier when you mentioned, you know, if we see one-tenth, I absolutely agree with that. You know, I, I think that if we see any kind of semblance of that type of organization being run and the football team playing the way they did under Coach Shula, then then we'll be happy. We yes. that's, all, that's all you can ask for. Yes. I mean, you know, look, two is not going to be Marino and Flores is not going to be Shula, and we got, just got to live with that. But hopefully they can be the best versions of themselves and we'll be just as excited about watching them excel. Exactly. Exactly. Um, with that, I, I, I think we probably should close the show. Yep. 
Um, did you have anything else you wanted to add? Um, no, Mike. I no. mean, I think we got, we've said things 15 times over where you may have to, uh, <laughs> may have to do some editing, huh? You may have to do a little bit of editing. You know, I repeated myself over and over again, but I just wanted to, you know, just get, get the point across. No, to I people. think you did fine, Lewis. You know, it, look, it's emotional. Yeah. You know, it's emotional and, uh, it's sad. Yep. And, uh, you know, to everybody out there, you know, I know it's sad. And, and I'm sure we all feel the same way, you know. And, you know, hopefully he rests in peace and uh, the Dolphins live on to fight another day. Yep. And, you know, Mike, you, you have a true love for the guy. You know, you, you mentioned... Oh, absolutely. You mentioned shedding a few tears yesterday. And, you know, you look at family, you know, your family, of course, you love your family members. And then when you go beyond that and, right. you know, you think about sports and, and how much enjoyment it brings to your life and you, you look back at all the memories that the good memories that you've had and, and who, who are responsible for those? You know, Shula, Dan Marino, right. Zonka, you know, Greasy, Warfield, these type of guys, you look back and, and you think about all the enjoyment that they gave you in every in any aspect of life. I mean, you, if you're a music fan, you know, going to concerts, this and that, you know, Shula, in my eyes, you know, I had a true love for, you know, even after I met him a few times, you know, I, <laughs> I you know, I, sometimes you're very disappointed, Mike, yes, what, I'm, what yes, I'm getting they, at. Right. They when, don't live up to your when expectations. You meet, right. When you meet your hero, you're like, Man, what a dick that guy was, uh -huh. you know? I mean, you know, I mean, it, he wasn't what I expected. Shula was that and and all that much more. And that makes you love the guy even more as yeah, an individual. I, I would second that. And, you know, again, you know, when you lose guys like this in your life, you know, it 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 really does hurt. And um, you know, I'm sure every there's a million dolphin fans that feel the same way with me and you, Mike, and um you know, it's unfortunate because nowadays, again, you don't get that close you to don't have that Right. You don't have that many people that influence you in the way that Don Shula influenced us. For that long a period right. to where you just, you know, you, you're like, my God, how could you not love the guy, you know? And, um, you know, again, you know, I, I just want to get that point across to people and I hope they have an understanding of where we're coming from. And, you know, I mean, that that's the best you know, that's the best compliment we can give him, Mike, you know, and, um, you know, for people listening, you know, the, the, an understanding of what he was all about if they didn't get an opportunity to see him coach. Class, integrity, respect, you know, those are words that belong with Shula when you're speaking of him. Yep. And uh, with that, I, I want to thank everybody for listening. Lewis, thanks for joining me this afternoon. Very welcome, Mike. Uh, we'll be back next week and uh, we'll do it again. Until then, fins up, guys. Fins up, Dolphins. All right, so that's our show for this week. I just want to remind everyone that the Fin Fans podcast is part of the DolphinsTalk.com podcast network. 